Welcome back to another episode of A Gift from Adversity. My name is Julie Love. I'm your host. Thank you very much for tuning in. Today we are recording episode 76. Before I introduce tonight's guest, Dean FM, I want to introduce my book, which is called A Gift from Adversity by Julie Love. It's available on Amazon. And the subtitle is Overcoming Sexual Abuse, Domestic Violence, Bullying, and Homelessness. After I experienced all of this adversity in my life, I have decided to publish a book and speak out in my truth. After I published my book in 2020, I got a lot of messages from other people. They are also the victim of sexual abuse and some people reached out to me in the middle of domestic violence and I felt very compelled to share the beginning to create a platform where people can talk about adversities and as a whole I wanted to normalize difficult conversations and bring out some tools that people use to overcome these challenges in our lives and a gift that came from it. So thank you for all of our guests from all over the world. And I am very grateful to have another episode tonight. So let's invite Dean. Hello, Dean. How are you? Good, how are you? Thank you so much for coming here. And before I introduce you, I wanna shout out to my friend, Jas Bianchi for introducing us today. Yes, yes. So Dean, can you please introduce your name what you do, and if you have a website and social media you want people to know, please tell us. Yes, my name is uh, Dean FM. My full name is Dean Fraser Melford. My, that's my uh, artist name. Um, I am a rapper and a singer and a um, an activist in the in the areas of um, uh, animal abuse, uh, welfare, and. Uh, uh, black trans women um, safety and security uh, that I, I haven't worked um, it, uh, intensely in those fields as much as I would have liked to as much as I would like to as of yet but I'm trying to get more into that and um, uh, in terms of a website my website is uh, deanfmofficial.com and I think that's about it and I also have Dean FM official on my Instagram and Facebook as well. All right, so people check out deanfmofficial.com and mm-hmm. Instagram the same, deanfmofficial. So thank you very much uh, for your introduction. So let's dive into your adversity. So can you tell our audience, what was your adversity? So growing up, I had, um, since a uh, late childhood, I was suffering with um, anxiety, depression, and um, learning disorder related um, issues. Uh, and then going into, um, uh, that, that's that's affected me my whole life anxiety depression and social anxiety uh, as well um, and I've been trying to cope with um, different mechanisms but in terms of uh, the amount the the primary 
issue that I've had in my life was, has been my addiction, which is something that I'm working to uh, move past, uh, which I'm in recovery for now. And, and, and in terms of being queer, uh, that's not something that has been the worst obstacle in my life, but it's still something that I'm aware is, is something that, that can hinder me in the future. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you so much. Those, those about the, the uh, uh, different adversities that I have. And yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And then um, really being here and then willing to share your story. So before we move on to second question, we want to um, really dissect um, a lot of things that you've said um, really quickly. So first of all, let's talk about anxiety and depression growing up. What do you think or, um, that caused your anxiety and depression growing up? Was there any traumatic event, something that happened to you that may, made you feel more anxiety? No, uh, no. When and with the, when it comes to my the the uh, mental health problems that I've had, it's been mostly caused by um, things that I don't know. I can't. I, I you know, like just it's it's a lot of I think brain chemistry with me, and it's and it's a lot of things that don't really have a cause that were just about to happen. Uh, so I can't really pinpoint if there was anything specific that would have triggered anything, or could attributed to that in any significant way. Yeah, I, I don't think there's been there's any ever been a time that I have had a traumatic event that would have led to that. So when did you start to realize that you do have this anxiety or depression growing up, like middle school, like high school? Yeah, around um, mid middle school and high middle school was when the depression and anxiety was were prevalent and I and they were very noticeable. The panic disorder, which is part of the anxiety, was around se second grade is when I first started with with feeling uh, those, and um, and uh, when it yeah. So and but the and the learning disorder has always been a piece as well since the end of elementary school. So and also you kind of mentioned about um addiction part of it mm -hmm. like what what was the addiction oh so since college after i left school and i went to college and then i had i was in a very much party mindset i wanted to party a lot and uh, i i got to the first year of college okay but that summer when i i started smoking marijuana which is not i don't attribute completely to the problem but that's why i started smoking marijuana and uh I, I when I went back to school, I, I wanted that that high and that um that that feeling again. And drinking wasn't something that was easy for me to do. So, um, I I, I looked into uh, over the counter uh, cough medicine, and and that's what I've that's what I've always had as the issue uh, is is over the counter cough medicine, which is interest. It's interesting being in a predicament where there's like where you're taking a drug that isn't. That, that isn't used that way uh, commonly at all uh, by many people, and it's not studied. So it's um, 
you know, it is. It, there's a lot of uh, what ifs and and uh, and questions about what how that affected me. So during the college, um, that you kind of started this cough medicine and um, addiction part of it. Do you think the anxiety part or panic disorder part did it increase? Would you say with this um addiction uh, substance did it get worse? You think? Um. So it. it it definitely played a, a part in me getting the disorder and I mean, getting the substance abuse disorder. And also I think it, oh yeah, it definitely made it worse afterwards. It, it, it was in a way there was a, a way to calm myself from, you know, a lot of those things. So it, it gave me an answer in a way, but obviously those type of things aren't long-term when it comes to, um, you know, just, uh, the the effect that it gives you is not going to be that way. It's, it's the high is the high, and then it comes down. So, yeah, yeah. That's a, it, my anxiety and when I can't when when I began began uh, smoking, I I'd say that the cough syrup what use was a pretty uh, impactful um, when it came to the come down period after you after you use. You, you get very sick. And also there's the same thing when I was smoking marijuana, I would smoke way too much and I would get a syndrome, a marijuana uh, related syndrome that uh, we get get very sick too. And that, that manifested in uh, ER visits, emergency room visits and feeling so like panic attacks and things like that. That's a lot to take in. And then how did it affect your study at college? Oh, so after I started using, I had to, uh, I drop out like that the same month around. So I, I, I wasn't, I didn't study with, uh, while doing all that for, for long at all. So after you dropped out the college, what happened? Um, after I dropped out of college, my grandmother passed away a month or two after, and that was, uh, uh, followed immediately by my my dog passing away, but um, the my grandmother was obviously the more prominent and more um, uh, devastating loss for me, as I've never had uh, people have died in my life. I've never had people die before her, and um, in my life that that I knew and were close to. So then, after around that time, I was using very heavily. Uh, had a lot of different, like scary, you know, times because I was using extremely heavily, you know, with, and with that dope, with the medicine I was taking, there is a possibility that you can overdose. So, you know, there is, a, I've gotten very close to that and I'm thankful that I haven't uh, gone over that, but I was definitely trying to numb myself from my grandmother passing away. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 it 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 led to that summer. I I tried to go to back to school for a Berkeley semester for songwriting, I believe. Uh, and when I went, um, that didn't last long at all either. I was I was using much more than I was at college prior to that. So uh, 
And then I went to a re my first rehab in September of that year. And that's been on and off since then. So when you went to the rehab, like I really don't understand how it kind of works, but do you check in yourself or did somebody recommend you check in to the rehab? Um, yes, I am. Um, I, my mother, being that I was 21, she, I was f very uh, new to being an adult. Uh, my mother knew that I was, uh, had youthful, you know, tendencies and I was a late bloomer. So she kind of, I feel she, since I was also very much dependent on her more than people my age, she, she, uh, made that push for me to, to go to, to my first, uh, rehab treatment. Right. It, it, not to say that I wasn't, um, Involved, involved in that decision, I, but it was definitely not something that I was able to maintain for for that period. But but it, it would have worked if I had that motivation and the drive to do it. Because they say that you have to want to change yourself. You can't just change um, uh, without you know giving an effort towards caring, really caring. So you got out of the rehab and you try to get a job and stuff afterwards? Yes, yes. That year I got a job at McDonald's, uh, so which is nothing wrong, you know, that was just um, the what, how I had to uh, do that. Um, and um, I, I worked at McDonald's and I'm still in customer service for um, as five to eight years. And the reason that, you know, uh, well, you know, I just, I had higher uh, hopes, and and it's not to say that, that was a lesser of a of a job, but it was definitely a different field that I wanted to be in, you know. But so that so it was a, it's it's sorry, it's hard to. I'm not. I when when it comes to the customer service work and the um and and how I've and how that's kind of been a a downer comparison to college where I was, I had these, all these hopes and as a young person, you really want to do it. And then you're kind of put to this uh, place where you're unable to help, help yourself. And you're um, only working like a part-time customer service jobs. So it's, it's like, you know, it's, 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 you, you, I wish I could, I could have done better. And I've always had that as a, as a d big doubt, a big uh, uh, thing I would have done differently, but it was, you know, I was young. You know, and I wanted to have fun in college, so. So, Dean, tell me a little bit about um, being a Black woman, transgender, um, that you mentioned, the queer part of it. Like, how did it affect you growing up about your gender identification and maybe self-doubt or something? Like, you know, how did you deal with that growing up? Um, okay. Well, so with the, when it comes to black, the black, the black trans women who are, and specifically what I like, I'm, I'm trying to think about with that situation is how many times I've heard about black trans women in the South who have been murdered or, or, um, are beaten up or there's a lot of hate crimes with police and all that, uh, in, in a, relating that to 
my um my experiences i don't feel as if especially with my identity as being a non-binary uh, or or gender queer androgynous i don't have labels for my gender uh so it's not it's not i'm i'm not undergoing hormones and i'm not um trying to uh, actively change that uh so however i do relate very heavily to in the black community uh there's a lot of um different there's there's very there's a lot of strong opinions on homosexuality and transgender uh people so i uh, i can i can just feel that it's gonna it, it, how difficult it would have it would actually be and it's it's shown in the numbers and in the amount of people that are killed that that these things are, are more prominent in the hood or in the or in the lower income areas or where uh these things can happen i'm very privileged privileged that i don't that i grew up in a in, in a very well relatively nice uh background so it's hard to say that i can relate relate you know i have my own personal struggles but i don't i don't feel like i can i can um personally i don't i don't feel like i can hold a candle to those struggles in that way uh but obviously i, I can't you can't we can't like compare those things type of things so yeah so how was it dealing with your parents did they have any rejection, you know, or any uh, resistance of you being transgender? Um, not about, well, again, so I'm not uh, transgender. I, I wouldn't say, I know that that might appear, that's how the appearance comes off, but yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm more so androgynous or genderqueer. So with, uh, with those things, I've never really actually just, I've never discussed it because I never felt it was important to, to uh, really go go into uh, with being gay, I told my mother when I was sixteen when I came out in high school. So so I so that was um that was when I told her and she was surprised, but she wasn't um she wasn't uh, mean about it or abusive about it, and that was a pretty uh, smooth experience. Mm. Yeah, with my father, I we didn't discuss it at all. I still haven't. So uh, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just the way we are. You know, I don't. My my mother did uh, make it a little difficult here and there sometimes when it come, when it came to wearing long hair and wearing you know uh, more feminine clothing and nails and all that. We've had all these struggles and, uh, but you know, I I can't blame her for for as much as she's done for me, um, and and in terms of having a little. Uh, lee, leeway giving some of that respect to somebody even though they aren't perfect you know she's i i still love her very much and how about your friends and like some peers did you struggle with any bullying or any discrimination not not bullying not physical bullying but but, but mental bullying and and well not not well not mental bullying but but uh verbal and and being um compared more, more so less about my race than of my of my gender being that i'm i'm a light-skinned african-american is there's been uh innovation way with other black kids that uh, black kids saying that you're not black and that you're not you know this and i am 
my um, heritage has um, uh, biologically, since I'm adopted, I'm half black and I'm half white. So it's, it's um, with, there's always been a struggle there with, you know, trying to see where I fit in, especially as a kid. But there was not a lot of bullying and like pushing me and stuff like that. No, no. Sorry. No problem. So you mentioned a little bit of your adopted. Yes. Did you have any struggle with your being adoptee at all? With 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 the when I learned that I was adopted. Yes. Yeah, and I, I didn't really care at first until I until I found out the biracial part of it. That that kind of added a spin to it that was shocking to me. Uh, being that when you, especially, I mean, I feel, feel like things are changing, but like when it came to that that time period, like the '90s and all that, I mean, we just we're just leaving like the vases, everything, you know, part of a, uh, you know, of the society. So uh, I I um definitely had the in in my mind that that was not something that was gonna be uh, comfortable for me. Being that you want to be black, you want to be you know, you're one. Uh, at, the, at least that's how I thought with my child mindset. Uh, but yeah, it was hard learning that I was adopted mostly for that reason. And did you find your biological parents? Yes, uh, last five years. In, in the last five years, right before COVID, I found my um, biological mother and the whole family. Unfor uh, unfortunately, the father's just not in the picture, but I, we, he, she knows who he is. It's just, and and, but it's good to know my brothers and sisters now. And it was a great, it was a great moment for me. Wow. So you had a multiple layer of challenges in your life, and that was leading to a lot of things. But I really appreciate you sharing those informations and especially um you know dealing with this anxiety a panic disorder learning disorder and addiction and then being adopted and the gender um identity and acceptance i think like that that's a lot to take and that's a lot to deal with and all these combined is it affecting your adulthood life right now like do you feel like overwhelmed do you feel that it's still kind of haunting you affecting you for what you went through especially after the middle school and stuff yeah, it's, 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 I think it's just, I think it's still just starting. <laughs> like, I, I think there's a lot, there's a lot that's, that's to come uh, my way with my mental health. I have a lot of things that I still need to work on, including gaining back a lot of my independence uh, uh, socially and uh, financially as well, having to recover from all those uh, times I spent huge amounts of money. On, on these substances and uh, it's something I don't feel like it's ever gonna change. Uh, for me, I, I, I know that there's gonna be days that get, as it gets better. I can't, I, but in a recovery, I don't think that there's a, 
like a I don't know. Just for me, I, I can't say if there's like a cure for it. But you know, this is me. It's like there's, there's no. I'm not trying to, to uh, heal anything at this point. I feel like it's just about going day by day, seeing how I feel and trying to cope through my music primarily and through um, creativity as I've always done. Uh, just trying to make it through and not, not for every moment to feel so treacherous. And when you when you have depression and a certain level of depression and all type of there's many types, you know sometimes you you feel very tra uh, paralyzed during the day and that's how I feel a lot of the times is 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 um, paralyzed but 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 outside of those moments you see you you still try to push to do the the your coping mechanisms uh, but I try not to hold myself to uh, the like I like I can't like I'm not gonna be paralyzed because yes I am gonna be paralyzed like sometimes I just have to you know embrace that this is like, this is how it is and I'm I'm trying to uh, not not go overboard but still have hopes for the future. So Dean, I just want to really appreciate you and also I want to share personally with you and uh, with our audience that going through what I went through. Um, say child sex abuse, domestic violence, bullying, homelessness, and obviously that affected my adulthood life. And chunk of it is because I really didn't have like a platform or resources. And growing up, I was born in 1976 in Japan. Mental health was never talked about. Um, it was not a priority. Just you know, deal with it. Don't talk about it. Kind of like a wear social mask. I was in japan i worked in japan and we even have this word neko kaburu which means wear a cat mask so when you go to work you don't show it you don't like reveal what's inside of you oh. so that basically as a whole as a society that we can be the economic boost uh for our country especially i would say after the World War II, there's a competitiveness of our country being very poor, uh, losing the war, and then, you know, um, trying to recover from the war that I think, especially my mom generation as well, and we were put to force to be uh, workaholic in a way to um, catch up to the economic level and technology wise too. So I would say a lot, not just me personally, but from the history of the war, the country, and the culturally, I think that affected all of us. Looking back, Dean, as a black person that may be growing up with lack of resources, how, how would you describe this kind of challenges that you faced that socially, maybe culturally affected you as personally? And like, how do you, looking back, analyze that situation? And, and uh, in the perspective of race? Yes, and the mental health and maybe lack of resource, like you no know, growing up, maybe because we never really had this kind of platform or talked about. Um, I don't think that there's a, it's just, it was, it, I don't, 
one thing I'll say is that mental health, I know, is not saying that has like a, a a political like agenda. Like I think it affects like everybody. Like it's and I wish that you know I I could say that I have a lot to accompany my my mental health issues uh, to say that I'm um, you know I had that to make it easier for people to understand how hard it is for me. But it's 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 just it's just my my experience. I you know I can't say that my childhood was the worst at all. I I don't want to give that you know give that to my mother. That's not her fault. That 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 those those things happen and um or that that you know my mental health happened and all that. I, just just I'd say the biggest thing was was not taking drug. Uh, seriously just not taking that that this is gonna hurt you this is gonna kill you eventually not, i didn't take any of that seriously so i would definitely have thought about that a little clearer but at the same time i feel like there was a lot more issues even that that weren't addressed that in my for my childhood i'm not sure if we, i feel like there's other mental pieces there that aren't quite diagnosed yet so that's a, that's also part of the ongoing journey, but definitely trying to pinpoint that early on. I just should have taken it much more seriously. I can't blame myself because I was a child, but I um, yeah, it's 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 just it's it is that's my was my ignorance. So. Well, not just your ignorance. I think it's very lack of resources and then um, lack of. The, um, you know, normalizing these issues and there's you know, so much stigma still around it. And I think um, that's part of the big problem as well. Mm -hmm. So Dean- Sorry, yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, don't worry. So let's move on to the uh, number two. The question is the tools that you use to overcome. You kind of mentioned a little bit of music and stuff. But yeah. what do you think the tools that you use to overcome these challenges that really work for you? Um, with with the music, one second. Sorry, my phone. I plug it in. I don't want to. One second. I'm sorry. Shoot. Okay. Here we go. Um. Yes. The music with. Trying to, um, so being in high school, listening to my, my favorite artists uh, was really something that helped me, especially having come out of the closet around uh, freshman year. Um, I was very much trying to get in tune with being, uh, you know, queer and being fabulous and all these things. And I, I gravitated towards female artists, female rappers and hip hop artists who um, would have that very feminine, pretty uh, vibe and, and, and energy with the music. Uh, when it comes to making music now, I, I definitely try to harness that energy. That that's There was like the difference, the difference between being in school and being bored and being in school and feeling like you're the, you're the, you're the hot, you know, the to the hot thing so uh i try i, I love to when when working in my music to talent to channel those feelings and also to um 
you know, recently more so with my music and with the projects that I've come out with, uh, Watch It was very much so a very explicit, very much that, that, that only, just party only. The the last one two years ago was called, is called Sissy, and that's the album that's out now, prior to the one that's going to be coming out soon. Uh, and that one has a much more intense message in the lyrics. So uh, I'm trying to, while, while maintaining my my youthful self that I like to see in that music, I, um, I'm trying to, you know, share and really actually use my writing skills for something that can uh, just actually describe a little bit of what, who, who, who's behind saying all this. And there's a lot of things I have in, to that I feel like I can share in, in that way. It, being somebody who is very much visually oriented and is a visual learner, trying to uh, it be being descriptive and try, I just, I just, I, I, I find, I found that it's helped with, um, you know, just trying to find my own lane in, in the music and trying to not only do this, but do it and make it, this is who you are. Like you have, you, you have a lot of depressing things, but there's also like a party song going on, like the party beat and rhythm. And, you know, it's, it's, but you're, but you're talking about something serious. And I don't feel like that's something that a lot of, and not uh, a lot of other artists do. And I feel like it's going to be important, especially in reaching the queer community with the, uh, with that dance hall music and that culture and all these types of things uh, while saying something that's important. And how has it been with being authentic and having the lyrics and having this music with you that um, really, sending message to this um, population. Are you having followers? Are you having feedbacks? And how how is that going? In ter- so my following is pretty good right now. I'm at a one something, 1. Uh, 1.6 or 7K on Instagram. That's, that's the highest I've gotten in terms of a natural organic reach. Uh, and when it comes to the gay community trying to um, reach them, it's not as easy to target queer and gender non-conforming people. And, and, and when, it come, when you do demographics and you want to target people, I, I, I try to just, which is okay with me because I'm really trying to spread this message to everyone, not just the queer community, but obviously I want that. I would, I would appreciate the support, but unfortunately like with social media, it's not very easy to pinpoint all those types of people and to advertise to them or to not advertise, but, you know, to, or to try to communicate with them, uh, except for doing it uh, by myself, going to different pages and groups. And I do that as well. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the queer community online has been fine, but, and, um, but there's a lot of, Obviously, when it, when you're online, there's a lot of hate comments and things like that that can get to your mental health. And those things are things I should have been more prepared for. But I'm lucky that I was equipped to deal with them at the time. But they are something that you should, that people should definitely be concerned about if if you're if you're a sensitive person like like I am. 
have you received any positive comment or feedback or DM like saying, oh, you know, your lyrics really helped me or inspired me and stuff? Mm, yeah, I mean, with my visual content mostly that I've done so far, the people have really liked my the, the my performance and a, and a few of my homemade music videos. People have said that that you know they're gonna listen to this all day. This is their favorite song. Those things really help me. Uh, those really make me happy to hear that that you know I can help somebody get through that situation, even though they're probably being you know nice. But I'm sure that they mean it. But it's it's the song you know i'm visually i feel as well i'm pretty strong as an artist too you know trying to really portray con convey those two things together you know uh i i, I build a I, I feel i can build a much bigger picture and idea as to what i'm trying to get across with with my visuals so people definitely have said that they uh uh like like that type of thing and i'm still waiting to get like more like in-depth analysis of my lyrics, but that's also as an artist thing. I'm I'm growing. You know, I've been doing this for ten years, but I'm still, I'm still growing and trying to, to improve everything, every part of it. So, in terms of the tools, that music definitely is helping you to express your true self and your feelings and stuff. Is there anything else that you have used that had been helping or impacting in a positive way my dogs <laughs> you know my dogs are my love i love uh my i have a little girl right now and and she's a, a little puppy uh in my eyes she's four years old but also like i had had many dogs like i mentioned my dog passed from childhood and uh recently in the september my the other one passed so that was um that's difficult, but uh, you know that's just with life. But yeah, they've definitely been helpful. I had a little French bulldog. Oh really? Husband, yeah. Her name is Soba. Oh. And she was very cute. <laughs> yeah, she was very jumpy, and yeah, you know what? I think um, some animals. I've seen like service animals come. For instance, I was working in a detention program, and sometimes the um, dog come, uh, but they're trained dogs. And then, you know, the boys who are in a detention program, like they love the dog. And sometimes um, I work at the Alzheimer residential place too. And then sometimes animal has those kind of healing. Um, vibe to it and i think yes. part of it is a lot of times that we go through these um, challenges in life self-validation and trying to fill the void those are really hard and then as much as people say oh dean i like your music and then you inspire me and then these kind of comment and compliment that you take but if you don't validate yourself it really means nothing when it comes to animal they are less judgmental and yes. they give you kind of unconditional consistency and love where a human being can manipulate you lie to you betray you or kind of like unexpected behaviors that you can't even like um 
comprehend. And I think sometimes having those company um, is one of the tools that I definitely recommend as well. Yeah. Yeah. Animal therapy is, uh, you know, they have emotional support animals now and you can have those uh, licenses to be able to take your animal if it's certified to, to places to keep you company. Cause that's very, that is very important to, to be able to have that comfort if you're, if, if that human, um, that human presence is not uh, uh, readily available for you. Yes, I think I've seen more and more um, service dogs, not for just, you know, people with blindness, but people with the anxiety and having that pet available next to you at all time. I think um, that is definitely one of the tools. Yes. Great. Well, Dean, I really appreciate you being here. Let's Thank move you. on to the last question, which is a gift that came from the adversity. So would you tell our audience, how would you describe a gift that came from your adversity? Life experience for me, trying to, yeah, life experience and being more in tune with myself and knowing what I can handle, what I can't handle. And you know, not put, not giving myself too much, not not setting it, not setting the bar low, but not setting it super high. You know, trying to uh, you know be as manageable and and do what I can, and not put in that much, too much pressure on. On you know, I'm I'm working on it. Well, we're all human. Which all we all have varying levels of mental illness, and it doesn't make anybody less because you have. Um, any anything wrong with your thinking so a gift you say is life experience yes all <laughs> these um perspectives that comes along yes yes i mean life experience and and you just being yeah being able to know what you what you can what you can your limitations i think it's very important being aware that that you aren't like in special education, how is in special education? There's, you know, you have to have, you have to, you know, be under understanding that you're not a bad person. You're just kind of, you know, you just need a little extra help, and that's what I, I definitely feel it's a, is a sums up my, <laughs> my whole existence here. Like, just I need a little, I need a little extra help. But I, once I get there, I think I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be excel in other areas. Yes, absolutely. So, Dean. Thank you again for being here. Before you go, I want you to give an advice to people who might be experiencing right now about what you had went through, especially queer part of it, um, adoption, depression, panic disorder, addiction. Like, what would you say your biggest advice is to those folks or out there? Um, it gets better is my um, favorite quote from high school from the it's it gets better project because I, I do believe that that it, it will get better I just you have to keep your head up I mean it's it sounds corny but you know you just gotta there's no other way to look at it <laughs> you, you you either 
it's either you're going to be upset about this year or you're going to try to not be moving but it you know allow you give yourself time and yeah just just it gets better Well, thank you again for coming to a gift from adversity podcast today. And I appreciate you sharing your time and having this conversation. I know this is not an easy thing to share, but for us and for the audience and for our next generations to come, this is absolutely important conversation that we are having. And I hope that whoever is going to be listening or is listening, mm-hmm. maybe they can get something out of our conversation today. Yes, absolutely. I'm so, I'm very, I'm very thankful and, and I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Well, thank you everyone. And I have more guests coming to our podcast and I'm, I'm really grateful and let's keep it going and have a wonderful night. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye.